0: May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious. I'll never be the same again. You see, Jesus meets us just where we are. I love that song. Thank y'all. That was beautiful. Our passage of Scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, and it follows in the aftermath of what is perhaps one of the best known and most colossal failures in history, and that's Peter's denial of Christ. And I don't know about y'all, anybody other than me ever been to a place where your life is an absolute train wreck where everything that you intended for the good has collapsed where you are in the depth of a world of despair the hole is black and it's deep and it's dark and there is no hope and you are no good to anybody has anybody other than me ever been there well that's where Peter is he's broken he's humiliated In his own opinion, he is worthless to the king and to the ministry. You see, he did something that should be unforgivable. And it's kind of our nature as human beings. That we take characters like Peter or like Judas... And because we're not in relationship with them, we just kind of put them in a little box, put a little label on them, and put them up on our shelf so we don't have to deal with them too much, right? Judas, traitor, in the box. Peter, impetuous, imperfect. But I'm afraid we do it with Jesus, too. I know I do. I got to confess when I was confronted with this passage of scripture there 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 was an easy way out for me and I didn't take it. And you'll see that. You see Peter is perhaps the best known of the disciples and so therefore when we when we when we Peter is us. You got the imperfection of Peter as a balance and a literary foil to the perfection of Christ. And where Christ comes into relationship with Peter, that's the same way that Christ wants to come into relationship with us, and sometimes, like Peter, we fail. And today's scripture comes in Jesus' response to that failure. Scripture today, the Gospel of John, chapter 21 verses 15 through 19 and as is our custom in this church please rise as you are able for the hearing and the reading of God's word John 21:15 when they had finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you truly love me more than these Yes, Lord, Peter answered, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Because Jesus had asked him a third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Ladies and gentlemen, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Please be seated. Let us pray. Father God. Your word is clear, Father. Your word is abundant. Your word is a fountain of life-giving knowledge, Father, and a chance to draw close to you in relationship. And Father, I ask now that you make your word clear, an, an anointing of your Holy Spirit on those who hear, that your word and your message may be received. And Father, that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth may be pleasing and fruitful in your sight. And this we pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. Yeah, we have a tendency to, to kind of put, put people into these little boxes because don't know about y'all. I'm, pre, I'm pretty busy during the week. Anybody here busy during the week? Right? And one of the things that I heard from our testimony from our missionaries was in Africa, they're not as busy as Americans. They got time to talk about stuff. We're rushing from this to rush to that, to get to that, to get to that. It's no wonder we put people in compartments and set them up on shelves. We haven't got time for all that stuff. We haven't got time for relationship. Relationship is now conducted in 144 characters or less. Send. Right? Right? We've lost the ability to commune together, to gather together, and to some degree to experience together in this culture, and I think it's a detriment. I know I personally. For years. If you you grew up in the church, you've heard this sermon preached 10 different ways, and I'm probably going to come at you with number 11. But I know that when I first approached this passage of Scripture, my antenna went up. Anybody else? Y'all may not believe this, okay? I was something less than a perfect child. Okay? And, and I could usually tell because I was in trouble pretty much on a daily basis the degree of punishment that I was about to receive based upon the name that my mother called me. Right? Gentlemen, you might be familiar with this. When I was little, my my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my dad were all named Joe, so I got stuck with Joey. And if I was in a little bit of trouble, Joey, and I knew I was going to get a tongue lashing. If it got to Joseph this is going to be painful and if it got to my big name you know the big name to all the names to joseph leslie negley wait till your father gets home that one was going to hurt twice right and so when i see this passage of scripture the first thing i notice is that when jesus addresses peter it's not peter it's not cephas it's not simon peter it is simon bar jonah simon son of john that's his big name. And you just got to know that the other apostles are going, Oh, this is going to be good. Right? <laughs> He's in for it now. <laughs> this is going, I can't wait to see this one. But before we go there, I think we need, we're, we're doing this Scripture, we're doing this message, we're doing this act a disservice if we don't look at it in a little bit larger context. You see, it's easy easy for us to to put Peter in that box of the disciple we know about, the disciple we're comfortable with, the one that's impetuous, the one that's imperfect, the one that's kind of like us, the one we like, because he's the only one we know anything about. I mean, we see in the Gospels a little bit about James and John. And towards the end, there's that whole Judas thing. You know, that's pretty ugly. But the rest of them, we don't know much about. I mean, Mark is the only Gospel that even bothers to name all 12 of them. And so Peter, because he is so revealed in Scripture, becomes very comfortable for us. He's this, he's this, he's us in relationship to Jesus. And just as Peter fails him, I know I do too. But it wasn't always that way. You see, long before Peter fell, Peter was on a way up. If you start low, you don't fall far. But when you're on the way up, and you're up at the top of your game, and something happens, and you fall, it's colossal. We see Peter for the first time in the Gospels, in John chapter 1, some young punk named Andrew is following a guy called John the Baptist around the Jordan River. And John the Baptist sees somebody come over the hill and he goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he baptizes Jesus to fulfill all righteousness. And the very next day, he sees Jesus again and he says to his followers, listen, if you didn't hear it yesterday, behold, there's the Lamb. Follow him, not me. And so Andrew does. And he goes and he meets Jesus and he spends a day with Jesus and he rushes back to Peter and he says, Peter, we have found the Messiah. Come see. And Andrew takes Peter to meet Jesus and Jesus says, you are Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of John. Sound familiar? And you will be called Peter. You will be called Cephas in John's Gospel. Which is the Aramaic for Peter, which is rock. In the sense of not rock like I'm a rock, impossible to penetrate anything between this six inches right here. But in the term of rock, as you see it in the Psalms, my rock and my refuge, my rock and my redeemer, my strength, my power, my unshakable foundation. And so Jesus sees something in Peter at their very first meeting, but they go their separate ways. Jesus goes off, gets tempted in the desert, and Peter goes back fishing. He's got a successful little business. No sense to run away from that. The next time we see these two come together, you see it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke gives us a little more detail. Jesus is up. He's moved his ministry to Galilee. He's teaching one day, the crowd gets so big, he's by the Sea of Galilee, he hunts Simon down. Now guys, I've never been to Galilee, I don't know. But if there's fish there, there's going to be fishermen, does that make sense? If there's one fisherman, there's going to be a bunch of fishermen, does that make sense? Well, it just so happens that the one fisherman that Jesus picks is Simon, And he says, roll me out a little bit and let me finish my story. Let me finish my preaching. And when he's finished preaching, he says, take me out to the deep water and let's drop the nets. And Simon goes, dude. He didn't say dude. He says, I've been fishing all night and not caught a thing. There is nothing out there but because you asked. I will go and so we get this story they go out and Simon drops the nets and a miraculous haul of fish comes in it is so big that it's tearing the nets and then they have to get the other boat the boat of their partner to come over and help them get this net full of fish into the boat I mean it's like two three months worth of fish wages right this is a big haul And Peter sees this, and he recognizes the power in Jesus, and he throws himself at Jesus' knees and says, Lord, please get away from me, for I am a sinful man. He recognizes his inadequacy in the presence of Christ. And Jesus gets the boat to the ground, and he issues a command. Follow me. I want you to remember those two words, follow me. Because the the entire command to, to Andrew and Peter and James and John was follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We all know that part, right? A couple months later, a little while later, after Peter had walked, away from a business he spent his life building on a mountainside. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus calls and appoints apostles from among his disciples. And Peter is one of them. And so in the early chapters of the gospel, in the early interactions between Christ and Peter, I think you've got a pretty good model of what it looks like to become a disciple of Christ. You see, the first thing that Christ is going to do is he's going to take you from knowledge and put you into relationship. And once you're in relationship with Christ, if you don't put him in that box with the label on it and put him up on the shelf, he's going to start creeping into you. And he's going to ask you to do something that's uncomfortable. He's going to move you from relationship to going, coming under authority acknowledging His Lordship over your life. And that's something that we in the Christian church in America, we talk about a lot, yeah, Jesus is my Savior. But do we walk our talk? And as you continue to develop in your relationship with Christ, as His Lordship grows, then He's going to appoint you, He's going to give you a commission, He's going to give you a mission. And we have living proof of that today here in our midst. And that God can do mighty things through humble people who are committed to what God calls them to be. That are responsive to the call. And after that call, Peter spends the next three years at the feet of Jesus, studying, learning. The Gospel says that he is to be with them that he is to preach, and that he is to be given the power to drive out demons. That's not something you see every day. This is a special calling. And we know from the gospel, Peter was a natural-born leader. He was the biggest personality in the room. For three years, he was the first among equals. He was the foremost of the apostles. He was in the inner circle of Jesus. And so it seems just natural at the Last Supper. When Jesus, after all this crazy stuff about this is my body and this is my blood, says to his disciples, I'm going someplace you can't go, Peter, who loved him, said, Lord, where are you going that I can't go? And then Peter makes a mistake. He says, Lord, there's no place that you won't go that I won't go to. Even if all these others, that probably didn't sit very well with the rest of the dinner companions, right? Even if all these others fall away, I will stay with you. Even unto prison, Lord, I will die for you. And Jesus says, will you really die for me?